I'm not going to give it away. You're going to yeah. have to see it, and, and it, it's a lot of fun. But, um, but Vanessa Williams, excuse me, <laughs> Venus Williams, mm-hmm. uh, Mer- Fred Mercury, and Bruno Mars all walked into a bar. I didn't plan it either. <laughs> Well, I got one for you. Okay. What did the grape say when the elephant stepped on it? What? Nothing. You just let out a little wine. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. wait, wait, wait. Oh, welcome to Why did you tell us that we're starting already, Tony? <laughs> well, welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small businesses that are rising from recession. And our guests this week are winemakers who are putting the wine and cheese back into the wine business. <laughs> This is Small Business Celebration. Join us as we learn from successful business owners and successful business leaders about who they are, from where their business has grown, what they have learned, and where their successful business is going. I'm your host, Michael I. Roberts, and we're going to learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Bill and his son, Tony Mers, the owners of the San Ruchi Winery. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thanks for having us, Michael. And for visionaries who don't know who you are, who are you, and what is it that you do? Well, we are a small, local winery, family-inspired wine, you know, from uh, actually just winemaking that we've done together historically as a family, and so we, here we are. The reason we're here is because imagine this happening to your business. All the restaurants are closed, all the bars are closed, all the wine tasting facilities are closed, and yet you have barrels and barrels and barrels of inventory just sitting there that you can't move. How do you fix this problem? And these two fine gentlemen have a fantastic marketing idea that could also benefit you and your business. What is it that you guys did to get through COVID so well? Well, we created our San Ruchi blending kit. Uh, Essentially what that is, is we have packaged up a kit that allows you to be a winemaker for the day. Uh uh, And we ship it to you or wherever your family might be as well. Uh, And we hop on a Zoom call and teach you how winemakers blend wine uh, and actually bottle their wine and you do it yourself. So you'll make three Bordeaux inspired wine blends Mm -hmm. all online with my dad and I. Right. Uh, the winemaker is teaching you how we blend, <laughs> right. so you are a winemaker for the day. So even if you know nothing about how to blend wine or the chemistry or how do you calculate sulfate contents and all that, you can still actually make this wine yourself. Absolutely. That's the fun of it. We oftentimes get asked why uh, or how do winemakers blend. So that was kind of an idea behind the, the whole blending kit. And this is the secret sauce right here. Ooh. It's our own 
smoked red wine. This is the winemaker's uh, salt and pepper right here. And we put that in that package. What happens after the Zoom call and the customer goes through and makes what they think is the perfect wine for them? Well, there's a couple things. Uh, first off, uh, if the, the people like the blend they make, they can buy a bottle or a case or a couple bottles of that blend. Uh, we will blend it up for them and mail it to them, deliver it to them. Um, but it also gives us a chance to reconnect with the people we had on the call. We we can take notes of wines they like, styles they didn't like, or we can re-engage them at a later time. So it's kind of like doing market research and having fun at the same time. And that's it right there. In addition, you have the ability to print your own labels, do you not? Absolutely. We have a small uh, printer that we can print customized labels. These actually, uh, the, the labels on the kit are actually printed from that printer. Uh, so we can totally make a custom label uh, and affix that on a bottle for uh, our customers. This is cool unto itself because you can go through and you can make the perfect wine that you've never been able to find that you like. But the other part that's brilliant about this is you have the ability to take that wine, your signature wine, put your favorite clients, your favorite customer's name and logo on the bottle and send it to them. How cool is that? Absolutely, super cool. We've actually had a lot of fun doing it. And it's actually been a great team building event for a number of different people. Mm -hmm. We have uh, professionals that want some of their clients to be able to have some fun and enjoy things together without necessarily being in the same room. Perfect way to do it. Now, one of the other things about this that is also very cool, and for those of you listening to this episode, we are here in the in the garden, as it were, where this whole winery started. And behind us are the vines of, of the winery. So when it sound, if it sounds like that we're outside and there's birds chirping in the air or there's a plane that flies overhead, it's because we are literally outside here where the magic was created. And one of the things about this winery that is also neat is this is a father and son endeavor. And for you, Bill, how did this dream of becoming a winemaker become reality? Well, it started back when I was in high school, um, playing football. I was living in Sacramento. My dad took me down to a football game. We stopped at one of the local wineries in the Lodi area, and he was talking to the, the uh, fellow at the bar as we were going through the wine tasting. And for some reason, the topic came up about becoming a winemaker. And next thing I know, I was interested in doing that. Went to Fresno State, became uh, an enologist, and then moved down here to Kern County where it all happened. And for those of us that don't know what an enologist is, what is an enologist? Enologist is just a fancy term for winemaker. <laughs> Very good. Now, you had to leave this idea and go into a different field for a 
while, but you were able to instill this idea of the wine, the love for making wine into your son. Tell us, Tony, what was briefly, what was your journey and how did we end up with this father-son family team that's building this winery? Well, uh, you know, growing up after I graduated high school, um, I needed money for college. So uh, luckily I had a good connection to a summer job uh, on my dad's <laughs> connections. And that was uh, working at one of the wineries that he used to manage. Uh, and that summer I got really interested in, in winemaking, seeing the process happen on a large scale. We had some vines in the backyard and I said, dad, we need to make some homemade wine. The joke was uh, that he uh, thought it was easier, cheaper to go buy a bottle of wine. And I said, but that's no fun, dad. Right. And, I, and so I started out making wine that summer uh, and, and he and I have been making wine every summer since. It's one thing to have a hobby making wine. It's something else to make money Absolutely. from that hobby. You took it a step further. You went and actually learned the business side of wine from Gallo. Yeah, so uh, luckily having my dad be in the wine industry, one thing that he and a lot of his uh, uh, acquaintances in the wine industry said was, winemaking is a business. Right. So if you know how to run a business, you can be successful in the wine industry. So I went to Cal Poly, got a, uh, a degree in business, uh, and then was able to work at Gallo, had a great experience with them for seven years, learning how they operate. Right. And so I was able to pick and pull some of their ideas and uh, say, Dad, we, we got to do this. Here's our chance. We're, <laughs> we're going for it. Here's the business plan. Here's how we're going to make it work. That's right. I've always told them it's a lot easier to make wine than it is to sell it. And we will be going into the, in the next couple segments, we're going to be talking about the business of winemaking. It's one thing to have a great product, it's a great, another thing to market it, it's another thing to sell it. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. But if visionaries want to reach out and get in touch with you, how do they do that? It's pretty simple. We have our website, sanrucci.com, S-A-N-R-U-C-C-I.com. Our Instagram handle is san underscore Rucci underscore winery. Email address info at sanrucci.com a Facebook. So all those ways are good ways to get in contact with us. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe and notify and leave a comment. We love the comments that you guys have been giving us here on Small Business Celebration. And when we come right back, we'll get into the business of winemaking when we come right back. Any aim you have in any area of your life can be enhanced with better leadership and communication skills. And there is no better place to learn leadership and communication skills than your local Toastmasters Club. My name is Kirkland Tibbles, and I've been a Toastmaster for 42 years. And I'm here to tell you, the supportive and fun environment of Toastmasters is a great place to learn. Come join us, won't you? You won't regret it. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. We're here with Bill and Tony Mers, the winemakers of the San Rucci Winery. And our visionary question this week comes from Keenan, who asks, how do you determine which products are profitable in selling versus those that aren't? And th 
those that are selling profitably, are those the products the only ones you keep around? So the answer is actually pretty simple. Um, the products that we consider most profitable are the ones that are the fast movers, the ones that people ask for when we deliver, you know, the reorders are coming in, so that the products that are moving, right. we consider those the most profitable. Um, what we've noticed though over time was that those products might change in different markets or regionally. Ah. So uh, we, uh, we try to keep a diverse portfolio of wines to try to market to different areas and, and, and different people in those areas. So for example, our Cabernet Franc does really well in Bakersfield, right? but our, our Rosé does exceptionally well in Los Angeles. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we go there. Now, did you discover this through the tasting kit that we talked about in the first segment? Because you mentioned that, that you're able to do market research that way. Was, was that, is that the research on how you do it is through the kit or did you use other methods as well? I was going to say, actually the kit did not act, do that for us. I think mostly when we were doing some tastings with people because we also do virtual tastings. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar to the kit only we send out little tasting bottles and then we go through a tasting. Tony and I talk about each one of the wines. And when we originally uh, launched the winery, San Rucci, we only had two wines. We had a white wine and a, uh, a red wine, Cabernet Franc. And we found that well, people really liked that, they wanted a bigger, broader selection. So we went out and, and found more wine that we were making and, uh, and introducing. The kits then have helped us kind of develop those blends so that we're able to offer wines that people are more interested in. One of the lessons that you learned out of this marketing that was the the lesson of costly consultants. And it seems like everybody and their brother is a wine expert. So how did you, just, for, first of all, what was the lesson yeah. and then how did what'd you learn from it? So uh, when we started the winery, you know, as a new business, everyone comes out and tries to sell you something. Right. Right off of that. They know you're new, they know you need help, and they're there to, to sell it. Uh, we are winemakers uh, uh, first and foremost, so uh, some of our issues uh, or things that we need to learn through the process around regulatory things, um, uh, there is a regulatory consultant that reached out. Uh, without us doing any research on what we actually needed from them mm. or understanding what their true um, scope for help was, uh, or, and without even creating boundaries of scope, we signed up for it. It. it costs a fair amount of money for right. uh, what we actually received mm. in, in, in learnings. So it was it was something that we learned early on that when you are seeking advice or help to go in with a very known um, scope of what you need help with, mm -hmm. uh, fully understand what they're willing to do and, and um, try it yourself first. This is kind of a model yeah, we've, sure. we've I adopted think from that sure. as well. That's it. So, yeah. So it, it also sounds like that you started doing research into the consultant too before you picked up the phone. So not only were you doing research on the subject matter, but research on the consultant. Why is learning who the consultant is prior to that first meeting so important? I think just getting a feel for who they are. Are they a good fit for you? Do you trust them? Um, or is the service that they're offering something that they truly are an expert in? Mm -hmm. uh, all those things are, are kind of things that we uh, started researching after the fact, uh, during and after, and, and uh, what we continue to do now when we're seeking uh, advice or, or help from a consultant. One of the 
the things that you also learned through the process of this is your direct-to-consumer model. Now, because for a lot of business owners, retail is king. And it's important to get your products or services into the retail market. And yet, you guys are taking a different path. Was this something that you learned from, from a consultant or from an expert? Or was this something that you learned the hard way on your own? Well, I think it's a little bit of both mm. uh, in the sense that um, we knew that we had to get out and make a name for ourselves. People thought the wines were great, but right. we went to restaurants and they were saying, hey, we don't have, no one knows who your winery is. My waiters don't have time to stop and teach people about your winery. So come back once you have a name established. So we started coming up with different approaches, the virtual tastings, going out and doing pop-up tastings once things opened up uh, and talking about the wines. And then eventually as things opened more and we were able to get our name recognition out there, then we were able to get uh, our wines into different areas. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, retail uh, is definitely part of our, our sales strategy, uh, but the idea of being direct consumer allows a different interaction for us. Uh, not only is it you know more profitable for us, uh, but it allows us to directly communicate with our customers and get direct feedback in a way that uh, could be difficult from a retail. I mean, but we have great uh, um, uh, business partnerships with retail at the same time. So absolutely. So I have to ask you this. Tell me about two tons of grapes. <laughs> For a small winery, two tons is a lot of grapes. So it's, this sounds like this was something something big. It was. Tony was still in college, and he was very excited about the fact that he had a, a, a classmate, classmate yeah. that was had had uh, access to grapes. So he calls me up, Dad. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I'm gonna get these grapes, and we're gonna we're gonna do it together. And uh, of course, I should have known better. And uh, he said. Okay, um, I'll let you know when the grapes are ready. So I get this call at like 10 o'clock at night, the night before. Oh, by the way, the grapes are going to be ready tomorrow. You need to be there at 6. So, okay. So we get over there. Of course, no picking bins. I got to buy bins. It was a big fiasco. Then we get home here and find out that Tony has to work and he's not going to be able to come home. So, <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> exactly. So his mom and I got, uh, got to work Part on two tons. Yeah. Of course, the, the wine tasted fantastic when it was done, but it was a little bit more of a challenge than I thought I was going to be up for. What was the lesson learned from that? <laughs> um, I guess maybe trust but verify. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is the rule doesn't change for family as it works for any other no. employee. And in fact, in fact, sometimes maybe it could be even more difficult because they'll take more <laughs> advantage of you. <laughs> maybe at times. My, my only, my only uh, recourse on that is that when I'm old and feeble, he has to take care of me. <laughs> When we come back, we're going to talk about electromagnetic propulsion technology and whether or not this is sound advice or sound physics for NASA's exploratory mission to Mars. Well, we uh, definitely read up on that, so we'll be ready. When we come, right back. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh. The reason we're here talking with Bill and his son Tony Mers of the San Ruchi Winery is because of a visioneer question that came from a visioneer. 
just like you. They reached out to us here on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and wanted to find out, you know, if all the bars are closed, if all the restaurants are closed, how do I get my product or service known? Well, that is what led me here to interview the gentleman at San Ruchi Winery. It's because of a visionary question just like you, who reached out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram so that you can get an idea for your business on how to get your business known. So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, if there's somebody you'd like to learn from, go ahead and reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. We're here with Bill and his son, Tony Merz, the winemakers of the San Ruchi Winery. And our visionary question in the segment comes from Kathy, who asks, how do you test market a new product before you release it to the public? You know, that's a perfect segue into what we're going to be actually doing on this Saturday. We usually do second Saturday pop-ups. Mm. And so uh, along with this tasting, we actually have a special wine that we're going to be pouring for people to get kind of a, a feedback from them to see what they think about it. It's mm. not part of the normal tasting, mm. but that, in that way we're kind of doing a sneak release and preview so we get people's uh, honest opinion. It's it's really hard sometimes if you just go to family or you just go to friends. Right. Everyone is going to tell you to your face it's fantastic. You right. need to try to find a different way and to do that. And then they take it to the sink and they drain it. <laughs> yeah. <in there>. right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, you said that you're you're taking this one location, this one time to get a sample of of this product. How do you scale that to a point where you know that in Los Angeles they like one kind of wine, Santa Barbara they like a different kind of wine, then and you know in Medford, Oregon they like something different, yeah. and in Anchorage, Alaska it's something completely different. How do you go through and test market a product for those? So for those, uh, it's a very similar approach, uh, but for those outside areas from Bakersfield, uh, we rely on some of the, the retail partners that we have, and we can do tastings with them. Um, same idea, just to get out and get in front of someone and, and get direct feedback that way. We can also uh, follow some of the, the market trends that people are writing about and, and stuff like that. But we like the approach of getting in front of them. And, and not taste. only that, but then our virtual tastings that we do as well because we are sending those wines out to areas outside of California. Mm. And so you get feedback from people yeah. on those virtual tastings as well. Yeah. So this sounds like low-cost market research. Absolutely. How do you extend this, and you, you mentioned this briefly about outside of Kern County, outside of California. How Elaborate a little bit further, because there's a lot of business owners that are trying to reach beyond Kern County, mm -hmm. and or wherever their locale happens to be. How have you been able to extend that low-cost market research to someplace where you're physically not able to go? Yeah, so uh, virtual uh, things have really helped us out. Mm -hmm. So the, the virtual tasting, first and foremost, got us outside of, of our normal areas of distribution, we'll call right. it. But Instagram, uh, MailChimp, those two tools have been really uh, helpful for us to follow people that live in different areas, to see where they're going, to then uh, maybe talk to that shop owner or um, you know email and retargeting people that uh, we have come in contact with to, to get again.
again that, that feedback loop and and try to grow in an area that we're not currently at. And we actually were participating in some different wine pouring events yeah. uh, and competitions before everything was was kind of slowed down. And you know we just were at the uh, uh, San Francisco Chronicle wine competition where we won a bronze medal for our Benvenuta dry white uh, dry Muscat and uh, Monterey. Monterey for our Cab Franc. We received a, a gold medal. Yeah. So there, you know, and those kinds of things also then are published, mm -hmm. and people get to see that, and then they're, hey, where can I get that wine? And so, it's one thing to make the wine; it's another thing to actually sell it. The thing I've been told from day one. Yeah, and that's I'm it. By whom? Yeah, <laughs> me too. Uh, uh. How did you? How did you put together a plan to actually sell this wine and turn this hobby into a profit? business. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. That was the thing that I was the most concerned about for Tony right. going out because he had never been in sales. Uh, I've been doing sales for a while now. Right. And so I know what it takes to go out and sell yourself in front of somebody. Right. But he's kind of a born natural. He's a go-getter. And it's funny when you are self-employed, you become a lot more hungry and you're not near <laughs> as afraid to do things as you would be if, if you weren't self-employed. So he, he really has been able to go out and get involved. And the nice thing too, I think is because he's a millennial, I'm a boomer, right. we see things differently, right. but it kind of blends together and works well. Yeah. How did you learn how to sell wine? Uh, just pounding the pavement, getting in front of people, and learning what didn't work and adjusting. So it was a lot of, I think, reading people when you first meet them. Mm -hmm. uh, are they receptive right off of that? How do you re-engage them without making them irritated? You know, <laughs> those kinds of things. Uh, and then finding people that are kind of your, your inner corner and will root for you mm. um, and, and help you out with maybe connections here and there. All those things kind of play. I was going to say, you've had a couple good friends that have taken you under your under their wing Absolutely. and taken you out and shown you the ropes. Absolutely. There's uh, a couple of friends that are uh, actual wine sales reps that have done that as well. Yeah. Like who? Uh, Mr. Jeremy Brown from The Kitchen has been a, a really big uh, uh, influencer. And even uh, the guys at Imbibe have been very helpful in teaching us uh, how to approach people and things like that. In fact, as I understand it, the, the gentlemen at Imbibe have even taken some of your wine barrels for some of their whiskey products. Um, that actually was not at uh, Imbibe. That was at Templar. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, they actually took a couple of our San Rucci red wine barrels uh -huh. and used it to make uh, part of their Quercus edition that they're doing out there. Yeah, so. super exciting. So barrel-aged beer in our wine barrels. Yeah. That sounds that sounds delicious. That sounds tasty. So if Visioneers wanted to get in touch with you, how do they do that? It's very simple. You can uh, email us, info at sanrucci.com, S-A-N-R-U-C-C-I.com. Our website is simply sanrucci.com. Instagram, which is sanrucci uh, winery, and our Facebook, also sanrucci winery. And so for those of you that want to know where did sanrucci, the name, come from, there isn't a St. Rucci out there. It actually <laughs> is the combination of my mother's last name, uh, maiden last name, San Filippo, and my wife's last name, maiden last name, uh, Beccarucci. So we took the Rucci in the sand and made it sanrucci. That is a truly family name. Well, 
Thank you for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. This has been a true privilege, and I'm really excited that we were able to be here where it all started. Yeah. Thank you for being on Small Business Celebration. Thanks for having Thank us. you, Michael. And I'll have a final thought for you when we come right back. Any aim you have in any area of your life can be enhanced with better leadership and communication skills. And there is no better place to learn leadership and communication skills than your local Toastmasters Club. My name is Kirkland Tibbles, and I've been a Toastmaster for 42 years. And I'm here to tell you, the supportive and fun environment of Toastmasters is a great place to learn. Come join us, won't you? You won't regret it. Toastmasters, the fun and relaxed group of leaders who will help you get ahead. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button and set your business ahead of COVID and ahead of your competition. Go to Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button. That's Toastmasters.org and click on the Find a Club button today. Enjoyment means doing as much as nature requires as you can. And you can do that anywhere. Spring has sprung. Now is the time for you to take a good look at how your business reflects your nature. For you are your business, how your business is perceived, how others look and treat you and your business as an extension of who you are. So if your business isn't quite where you want it to be, Maybe it's time to take a look at the nature of your business. Who is your business? Is it a reflection of who you are? So until next week, we'll see you here on Small Business Celebration and use something that you learned this week to grow a strong and profitable business. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.